Welcome to Horrible Friends. We're a podcast in book club format about horror movies. This week we've got Ghost Ship. Starting off, I'm Kyle. I'm Chris. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. And I'm Jarvis. And the way this podcast generally works is that we do some history, we do the plot, cinematography, and special effects, special uh, sound and music, and we do our own take on our rating score. Dan, what do you have for the history? All right, so we have Ghost Ship uh, with, we're going to start doing this this week, and I'm going to try to stay consistent with it. We're going to say what the taglines are of the movie, and we got a good one. So Ghost Ship in 2002 has the tagline of Sea Evil, S-E-A. Boo. Oh, when you spell it, it makes sense because that's where the ships go. Ah, ocean. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> that's going to be the best joke that you're going to hear on our podcast. So just turn it off now. Um, and it wasn't even ours. So there you go. Uh, so the director of this is good old Steve Beck. Uh, Steve Beck is best known for directing outside of Ghost Ship, 13 Ghosts. And that's Woo-hoo. it. He never directed anything else. That's it. Man, he loves ghosts. That's, He's a ghost fan. <laughs> he look. He was like, I got two movies in me, and I'm done. Uh, They're solid, man. Hey, quit while you're ahead. I I like Thirteen Ghosts, uh, so, but he is also known for doing visual effects. He worked on pretty famous movies, uh, The Abyss. He worked on Hunt for Red October, um, but he doesn't have like a big uh, film background. If you look on IMDb under Steve Beck. Uh, but moving on, so we have a about a $20 million budget for this movie. Uh, the box office, the opening weekend, it only made about $11 million, so not great. Uh, ended up making globally $68 million, still not fantastic. Uh, the filming location for this, I'm so sorry, Jarvis, everything's filmed in Canada, though. Uh, it's in Vancouver and uh, Halifax, but we are also filming for this movie on the Gold Coast and Oxenford in Australia. They also filmed hmm. on a boat. They did. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> oh, they did? I didn't oh, even good. notice. Actually, not just any boat, a ship. Oh, it's <laughs> a ship. I'm learning so many things. <laughs> not just any ship, though. A ghost ship. <laughs> oh, wait, it, is it a vessel? A vessel. A vessel. <laughs> Say Wessel. No, no. <laughs> I was that was an abstract. Uh, no, abstract's not the right word. All right, keep on going. Thank Quick. you, Dan. Uh, 2002, uh, 2002 movies. Um, the Ring. Twenty. I just want you to hear all the movies that we could have watched. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's pretty much what this segment is every time. Like here's a list of the movies we could have watched but chose not to. The Ring. Twenty eight days later. Cabin Amazing. Fever. Oof. Eight-legged freaks. Oh. Mm. Uh, and, of course, the meme itself, which I don't know if any of you have seen it, but it's amazing. Shark Attack 3, Megalodon. Yes. I would have rather watched any one of those movies before I watched Ghost Ship. Guys, oh, I'm man. getting the sense that you guys didn't enjoy Ghost Ship. So I did. The runtime run on this 
<laughs> movie um, is about 90 minutes. Uh, so you will have to sit through 90 minutes if you want to watch this. Uh, you can watch this on Google Play and Prime. Unfortunately, you will have to pay about $3 for it if you want to rent that. Um, it's not on anything like Tubi or anything. Um, our nude clock, which we do every week, uh, if there is nudity in a movie, and we're going to start saying this as our reminder, uh, we are not pervy guys. We do this because we think that nudity in horror movies is ridiculous the way that they do it. And um, the amount of times that they show nudity is ridiculous as we see in a lot of uh our horror movies so uh this week with ghost ship of course we have nudity because you have to make the movie interesting somehow i guess and it came in at about one hour two minutes and two seconds um yeah, bit. why do plot when you can do boobs? Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, oh, we're losing the audience. Hey, look, nipple, nipple. Hey, here it is. Here it is. <laughs> and we're back. And we're back. So I'm satin panties. Satin panties. <laughs> so I'm, with that, I am going to pass this over to Jarvis, who's gonna got our summary for this week. Well, thank you, Dan. And I'll have you know that I do enjoy this movie. I picked this movie. Uh, For those fans uh, who have been following us, uh, typically the way we do this is we choose our own movies that we would like to do the narrating of the plot for. Um, And I typically go with movies that are near and dear to my childhood. So Ghost Ship, I remember fondly. And that's why we're talking about it here today. So let's get right into it. We open with an old-ass Warner Brothers intro uh, and some early Dark Dark Castle entertainment, um, which which I thought was pretty cool. Like, I I realized, I don't know when Dark Castle started, but it was definitely kind of like an older graphic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I did notice the the thing said AOL Time Warner. Yes! This is an AOL Time Warner production. I was like, AOL? Had I, that much, <laughs> like, dude. I saw that, fuck. and I just went, "You've got mail." Yeah, I was very confused. But th- this this opening was beautiful, though. The lettering, the music it was very elegant. Right. It was beautiful. <laughs> the title card did very much take you right back to when this movie was made, like two thousand two. It's like, yep, this mm-hmm. is definitely two thousand two with the Dark Castle Entertainment and the AOL. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, like the uh, the credits open up, and it looks like a Christmas movie. Like if I was confused before, now I'm like, what in the? F-? I thought I, honest to God, I didn't remember. I thought I had the wrong movie. And yeah, so. I got more of like a love boat type right. of vibe with the opening, especially Which, with the lettering on Ghost Ship. It was like this is just going to be a happy cruise movie. Everybody's going to have a good time, right? But it- so. In that vein, I think, so 2002, we were all how old, I guess, like, uh, I don't know, was it 13 or something like that? 12? 12. I don't remember. Yeah, 12. Yeah. Something like, yeah, so 11 or 12. And I think I got, I got to watch the first portion of this movie when I was younger. And then once the, the inevitable happens, I think that's when my parents were like, okay, we're done. Because they, they had no idea what the movie was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, parents ruining their children's childhoods for, I've been drinking. I'm going to keep going. Let's do this. So, (laughs) (laughs) so we start, uh, we, dude, we start hard and heavy. Um, truly. And, and I mean this, I think this is one of the best opening scenes ever to a horror movie. Feel how you will about this movie, but this movie 
this movie is phenomenal for this opening scene alone. Um, we see on top of the ship where we're in the middle of the ocean. We're on a large, we're on a large cruise ship. And, uh, obviously it's, uh, some sort of older period given the dress, uh, and the style of the crew and the passengers. Um, there's entertainment. There is a woman singing. She's very pretty. She's in a very elegant dress and it seems to be Italian or Spanish music. We later learn that it is an Italian song. And we see little Katie Harwood, um, who you may know uh, from her many other roles. Uh, she's the lead in a series of unfortunate events, um, The Uninvited. She has a role in Legend. Um, she's she's pretty well known throughout kind of the horror circuit. Um, she stayed pretty consistent with all of her roles uh, in horror movies. And she was in Sucker Punch. Oh, yeah, yes, she was in Sucker Punch. she was. That dumpster fire of a movie. I wouldn't go around calling movies dumpster fire when we're talking about ghost ship. Oh, come on. All right. I would watch ghost. I would watch Sucker Punch a hundred times before I watched Ghost Ship again. Oh, my There's, God. With, with that, this that, opening scene? With I mean, this opening scene was the one of the very few redeeming qualities of this movie. Uh, honestly, most things that Zack Snyder does, I would call a dumpster fire. Hey. Just saying. I'm just saying. I mean, I was, I was, Zack Snyder. Chris, do we have very, thoughts on that? Visually. Uh, all his movies are very visually appealing and cinema, cinema, cinematographically beautiful. Cinnamon. They're very cinematically. And they have a lot of gingerbread to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> now I'm doubting how I'm going to say this word, but the cinematography in them is very beautiful. Look, they're very good to look at, but they don't have much weight to them, and they fall apart after about 45 minutes. Yeah, that, and too that's, long. that's basically how I feel about like Watchmen 300. This is now a Zack Snyder podcast. Uh, Zack <laughs> uh, 300 and Watchmen were great. Uh, did he do Wonder Woman? Was that was no, that Zack Snyder? He did not. Okay, um, I didn't he think did he Justice did Justice League. He did Justice League, right? So, did you love Wonder Woman because there's a female lead? Dan, was that? I loved I loved Wonder Woman because it was a good movie. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, that's what it uh, was. Did you like Man of Steel? Yes. Ooh, that was a dumpster fire. No, that's a phenomenal movie. <laughs> it was the, what, it are was the Michael Bay, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? Of superhero <laughs> movies. Okay, sorry. I, I just thought that this was more interesting to talk about ghost shit. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Good Christ! So that's that's all going to be cut out. I'm assuming yeah, every I'm every fucking word. Well, I will say whatever I decide to keep in from that. Uh, I will say that I enjoyed this opening. It was it was fantastic. And again, this this comes down to it's this thing started. I think once once the the whole opening happens. Uh, that that's when like I said, that's when my parents are like okay, time for you to go to bed. And then that's probably when I went to bed. But then I watched it years later, and then again now, and yeah, I I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll get more into it later, but it I think it was okay. I I like the opening because it really like took your mind off of that. This is a horror movie, so like it really like tried to veer into a different direction before it like pulled you right back into no, this is what this is. So I thought that that was an interesting way to start the movie. Well, yeah, certainly. I, the only thing I'll say too is like. I really like the opening where all the people on the boat die because it was done like in a creative way, but it did feel like it was ripped straight out of like Final Destination, where the you see the uh, the cord like start to snap and you see a little bit of the other parts of the deck and then 
the core just bisects everybody that's standing on the deck. It just felt like Final Destination. Yeah, but I think that's part of it, right? Like, I think I think that they want you wanted you to go that route because you see somebody's hand do something, but it kind of looks like an accident. But I guess we'll just move on from the plot from around there. Yeah. So my only uh, notes for that was just, boy, that's some horrible fucking cable management there. Mm-hmm. I I just said that really cut the party short. Hmm. Ooh. Hate it. <laughs> So Katie Harwood, uh, we see, uh, and she has this uh, this puzzle in her hand, and I know we've already essentially just gone over the entire plot, uh, but that kind of got away from me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind a little bit. Um, so the uh, <laughs> they are on the deck. Katie Harwood is is the young girl. She has a little puzzle that she uh, has you know a series of letters and numbers on it, and she spells out "I am so bored." Um, one of the deckhands actually goes and gets the captain and the captain asks her to dance. Um, and that's where we can see the plot kind of thickening. Like there's something happening, there's pieces moving. And all of a sudden we see a hand do something to one of the rigging systems and wire cuts through everybody on the dance floor, completely bifurcating all of the dancers, except for young Katie, uh, who ducked down just in the nick of time. Um, all of the people kind of start to fall apart to include the captain with whom she was dancing with. Uh, he ducked down with her, but not far enough. And it severs his jaw from his head. Uh, well, he severs his head at the jaw level and it was pretty fucking sweet. Can we, all, can we all agree with that? No matter what our thoughts are with the movie, like that yeah. intro is pretty fucking yes, sweet. Absolutely. It was oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah it was great. That. Um, and then they do the flyover of like the the people trying to like put themselves back together. It was like Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, yeah that was yeah that was pretty good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. This was I, I liked what I, I think it was Kyle said it. It was very like Final Destination ish. Um, no, that, that was Chris. Oh, Chris said it. Sorry, no, that was Mike. <laughs> oh, Mike said I said that. Um, so I like when I said that this was very Final Destination ish. Um, no, but I, I like those kind of things in horror movies because that's what makes it scary. Is that like whoa, like possibility of this happening? Because like our brains, I don't know, my brain like goes there sometimes where it's like, uh, like thinks like, what's the worst possible thing that can happen in this scenario? And it's like it's it's like an actual fear. So I, I, I appreciated that that opening a lot. You have an actual fear of being bifurcated on a boat deck? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> Are you fear shaming, Mike? I am fear shaming. Don't fear shame, Mike. <laughs> Don't fear shame, Mike. <laughs> okay, now we shoot ahead in our present day, uh, or at least 2002. Uh, we're on the Arctic Warrior with the cast that we will become familiar with. Uh, they're pulling in a, a wreckage uh, on the Bering Sea. Epps, who is the female of the crew, um, against the advisement of the rest of the crew to include the captain, uh, jumps into the water and repairs the records in the hall um, with her friends, Dodge and Munder. We'll get through all the names. A lot of inconsequential names. Essentially, they're pulling this boat through the sea um, to try to take it back to dock where they will sell it for parts and they succeed. Is that about I think that's about right. That's really all you need to know. Yeah, you get to learn some yeah. of their skills. Like, there's some spot welders and whatever, but that's just minor, minor uh, character development. <laughs> they they made that so dramatic in the beginning. They're like, "Oh no, she's gonna die if she goes down and fixes that." And she like fixed it in two seconds and was like, "Okay." 
Anyway, <laughs> it was like dramatic for no reason. I'd- yeah, guys, you only have five seconds to get that done. I only need two. <laughs> <laughs> but but she's. I've a woman. heard that she- about you, Chris. I've heard you only need two. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie, how'd you get on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> but but she's a woman. How could she go down there and fix things? Oh, they. It was definitely one of those moments where it was like, oh, she's not like the other girls. She yeah, fixes exactly. things. Dan, you're you're not like the other girls either. But oh, thanks, man. Anyway. <laughs> so we do we do get some character development uh, while they're while they're salvaging the wreckage, but we get a lot more once they they're celebrating in the bar afterward. Um, you know, so uh, they're celebrating. You know, they're cheersing, et cetera, et cetera, talking about you know they're gonna go do X and Y with the money. Uh, Greer, who is the African American gentleman of the crew, because everyone needs a token, one of those, just like the woman and the Hispanic Santos. Um, but Greer is saying that he is, uh, you know, he's excited to go home and, and see his fiance, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then we meet Ferryman. Ferryman is kind of a random gentleman who approaches them and talks about a salvage job that they may be interested in, in international waters. Okay. Not to spoil this movie, but I did not know this man's name was Ferryman. And now it totally makes sense. Did everything make sense afterward? Now it all makes sense. It's pretty I mean, it right made on sense the before, nose. but it's kind of like yeah, it's too much on the nose. I kind of picked it out immediately. <laughs> yeah. I, the only thing I picked out was like he asked for twenty percent, and they were like, "No, ten percent." And I was like, uh, "Chris really got me into the screen rant guy." And like all I could think of was the the Star Wars thing where he's like. So he naturally went over to another table and asked for 20% there, right? And it's like, nope, he just took the 10% and said, fine, I'm coming with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I had done, I want 20%. I don't know how about 10. It's the best I can do, 350. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, he's not good at negotiating. 2%. <laughs> so he goes along with the 10%, right? I mean... You know, but he does he does throw in that um, he does throw in that insurance uh, that he must come along for the journey. So uh, and then we a little before that, we hear their their mantra as they're kind of complaining because they haven't been home in a while. They're like uh, the captain who is Murph. uh, He says the only plan is then they all repeat with him. There is no plan. That would have been a really cool time for you guys to all come in. And say, there is no plan. There is no plan. There is no plan. There, there's yeah. no plan, though. There's no plan, actually. We got it. We got it, guys. We did it. <laughs> we got it in six. And We're the good. Navy <laughs> takes it up the ass. <laughs> now, why is no, there we always... Haven't, we haven't gotten there yet. Sea, why is there always an old sea captain? His name's Murph. It seems like every time there's a sea captain, he has a name like Murph. It's a yeah, great and, sea captain name. It is a good sea captain name. The, the other problem I have with it is that I his accent was all over the place. I couldn't tell what he wanted to be. Oh yeah, because for the first half of the, the first like quarter of the movie, he's just like, "Hi, I'm Murph." And then when he gets on the boat, he's like, "Hi, I'm Murph." And then I'm like, "Okay, well, wh- what else are you?" I think he's supposed to be Irish because the Murph part. I, I don't know. Uh, uh, yep, it was pretty weird. Yes, that's that. <laughs> So anyway, then we get another shade of 2002, uh, this time in musical form. Uh, we get some Mudvayne fucking blasting 
like the audio was pretty temperate, you know, it was a lot of just like, you know, background music and like, you know, very, very basic character development. And then all of a sudden it's just Mudvayne screaming through the fucking speakers. This is the moment that I knew I would hate this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I love for me, actually. Yeah, I fucking I miss Mudvayne. I think that that can't be one of their best songs that that seemed like a kind of it, it seemed very uh boring yeah. as a song like it's just it was the same lyrics over and over again maybe that's all they paid for was that first like 15 seconds they should like, remember what metal or, or like all, all those songs back in the early 2000s were exactly like that yeah, i was gonna say that's fair. pretty accurate to mud vein it's the same the same words for 15 seconds repeated over and over so accurate mud vein that depiction right there <laughs> I just wanted to hear Dig or Happy, one of, one of those two songs, and then I would have been happy with this. Does that make me happy now? Yes. You should have went. You could have got 10%. Then you could play this Mudvayne song you like, Dan. <laughs> I'll take five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, anyway, so we have Santos, who is manning the bridge. Santos, again, is the very, like, uh, oh, okay, there, there are clearly some fucking cliches forming. Santos is the one Spanish gentleman and he's manning the bridge. Everyone else is kind of down in the deck hall, uh, you know, talking. We're getting, a, uh, you know, a little more character development out of there. And he's trying to look uh, with his radar and he keeps seeing like this blip pop up, but it would go away. He calls Captain Murph to the deck, basically telling him the same thing. He says, you know, there's there's something out there, but I can't see it. There's, you know, clearly like some some sort of interference that's happening. And then a couple more characters come up and then all of a sudden right in front of them is our ship. The Antonia Grassa. Yeah, it's pretty imposing. It was a it was actually a really nice entry into the ship, I guess. Like it was pretty cool. No, I thought it was pretty neat. Um, And then we get a little backstory on it because we weren't entirely sure what the name of the vessel was. Now that we know it's the Antonio Grassa, uh, Captain Murph, who is an old salty sea captain, of course knows the story of every single fucking ship that's ever gone missing ever. <laughs> so, All I heard was, ah, yes, the tugboat professions legend of the ship. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, you know, it, it wasn't the worst story ever, though. You know, it, it they just went missing, no distress signal. Um you know, it's not and, that elaborate of a history. No, I mean, not really. I'm sure. I'm sure boats go missing all the time, but for everybody to know about this legendary boat went missing, like, yeah, no distress call. You know, and the we, fa- know nothing, we know literally nothing else. The fact that it was like kind of an international vessel too was the fact. You know, it was a, an Italian uh, crew. You know, it, it went missing off the coast of Labrador in 1962. You know, the internet didn't exist. Um, it wasn't an American ship, so it wasn't as, you know, well-renowned, yeah. you know, I, I thought that was a nice touch. It was a thoughtful touch. And they go on to kind of say, you know, these boats weren't known uh, for their speed. So they be, they basically built them to be these floating art palaces. So that immediately kind of, you know, jerks the crew's interest because now they know there is probably some very valuable stuff aboard. Um, there was also another legendary boat that disappeared. It was uh, it had five passengers, and they set sail, which was supposed to be a oh three-hour tour. <laughs> <laughs> the weather got rough. <laughs> this ship was actually tossed. <laughs> I think the, the courage of the fearless crew. 
Wenn du uns I think I've heard of that ship. I think it's a old, old wooden ship uh, used in the Civil War era. I believe yeah. it was called the Diversity, correct? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people disappeared. You're going to disappear in a second, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I hate you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have the crew. They get aboard the boat. Um, Wait, the hall. Did we, did we talk about the Eminem blonde hair dude? Yeah, like, are you talking about Dodge? Is, uh, oh, you mean his name? Do do they have names in this movie? They yes. do. They do. The female is Epps. The Spanish gentleman is Santos. Munder is Theoden from Lord of the Rings. Not Theoden. Uh, Billy Butcher's Dodge. in this. I know that. He looked so young, too. Yeah, Billy Butcher has some bad hair in this. <laughs> Jackie just said, that, oh, there's Carl Urban, one of the other people that just drinks the blood of children to stay young forever. <laughs> That's exactly what he does. It's just him I, and Keanu Reeves just, you know, bathing in the blood of innocence to look forever young. I, I just, Leo's doing it, too. I just wanted to ask about the Eminem blonde hair. Like, did anyone else do this when they were in 2002? Like, just bleach blonde your hair like i did it yeah. i was like yeah i was like let's do this i'm eminem now i'm That's slim about the time when i did that yeah yeah <laughs> i waited till 2006 <laughs> you had bleach blonde hair dan i never knew that yeah i also used to have hair it's weird <laughs> that is weird um yeah so the bringing up the name part that it's surprisingly it's surprising that you don't know their names because they said their names in every interaction they had they would look over and be like doge what are you doing? And I was like, okay, Ep, don't worry about it. Okay, don't. It was like every other interaction. It's like they, they couldn't really build out their characters enough so that this is where they just kept saying their names over and over again. Kyle, isn't that how friends talk to each other? Right, Mike? Yes, Chris? Dan and Kyle and Chris and Jarvis, who are talking about a movie. That's how everybody talks to each other. Dan, Chris? what else do you have to say? <laughs> I would like to say that, Jarvis, you were doing a great job, Jarvis. And the Navy takes it up the ass. Continuing on. Uh, <laughs> so our crew now goes up and uh, in search of treasure and to explore the boat. Um, the hall is, you know, pretty decrepit. It's been floating there, you know, conceivably since 1962. Um, we do pass by a familiar, uh, a familiar puzzle, the girl Katie's puzzle um, that says it kind of that's our first kind of look at the uh, paranormal activity on the ship and it, it, it turns itself and it says, welcome aboard. Um, I thought that was cool. I, I will say, I thought that was a cool effect. It was neat, right? The welcome blocks. I was like, I was like, what's up with these arts and crafts? Like ghosts. What are we going to have next? A live, laugh, love or bless this ship sign. What the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> In the beginning, I had in the beginning, and she was playing with the the letter thing on the deck during the the party, I guess, and it said, "I'm so bored." And then when they were on the boat, it changed to "I'm so bored." It said, "Welcome aboard," which other I like that it was funny. I thought it was a nice touch, but they continue on. Um, there's no real sightings of anything paranormal. Um, however, as they continue on, uh, Munder, who is played by Carl Urban. Uh, falls through the obviously decrepit flooring 
uh, into one of the larger entertainment halls that we've also seen before. Uh, Epps goes down to grab him and they do catch him and they start pulling him up and she sees Katie's ghost. That's the first time we see like an active ghost on the ship. I didn't think that fall that fall was very far, right? Like he could he probably could have just gently been dropped down. No, oh, he probably would have broken an angle or two. Like, yeah. That was pretty high. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it high enough. All right, fair enough. I retract. <laughs> I rescind my time. Hey, yeah, I, I'm reclaiming. <laughs> reclaiming my time. my time. Reclaiming my time. Uh, <laughs> so they go onto the bridge. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, that's where the steering wheel of the ship is. Um, they're looking around and one of them finds hey Jarvis. Yes. Can you tell me more boat facts? Uh yes, they suck. It's the worst. It it's terrible. <laughs> I love this segment. Can we have a segment awful. like this in every every episode? Jarvis uh, with boat facts. <laughs> <laughs> What's it, the left side of the ship called? The left port. side? It's definitely port. Right starboard. Oh, okay. I'm 99%. I'm sure that I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, they find a digital watch in the captain's deck, kind of leading on that there have been other people. There have been other people who found this boat, but there's no signs of anyone. Uh, Murph gives us some more backstory of other notable ghost ships. Uh, the Marie Celeste. Uh, a couple other, you know, just sort of negligible details. Uh, but I thought it added a nice touch of, you know, his, his knowledge of the sea. Um, and just the crew's... I guess, you know, credibility, but maybe I'm looking too, too far into it because you guys clearly did not like it up to this point. Well, like I said, I like the opening at this point. It, it's starting to, I don't know if it's slowing down. I mean, the, the big jump scare where he fell down was fine, but um, I, there's still, I'm still waiting for some more plot to show up, I guess. That's true. We get it. There's spook, spooky ghosts now. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I was, I think I was still in at this point. I really think it was at the end where I was like, I'm done. I, I I think I was, I gave it a good opportunity to like, wow me. Okay. So at this point though, um, we start to kind of form our plan of what we're going to do with this ship. So they agree that, uh, you know, there is significant damage and the boat is sinking. They go down, they check it out. Um, they know that they need to patch a hole in the hull. They need to pump out all the water fix the rudder in order for it to steer and then they'll be able to tow it back. Um, and then from that plan, they kind of start bridging out. Uh, Murph finds the captain quarters naturally. Uh, Munder and Dodge are looking for like the main engine area and the rest of them are just kind of like panning out, looking around the ship. Uh, Epps is the first to come across the swimming pool and she immediately discovers like the bullet holes and the shell casings in the pool. And there's like this really nice jump scare with Katie's ghost showing up. And just as Epps falls at the bottom of the pool, like she, she kind of bludgeons her head a little bit when she falls and you see the blood kind of retract into the tile of the pool. And as she gets out, the pool starts filling up with blood and we get a really nice camera angle of the camera panning down into the blood. And we see all these, bodies now kind of floating this is also uh, concussion number one i just want to say that are there multiple oh. concussions oh yeah there definitely oh. are <laughs> there's like oh, four I... times that she hits her head <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good i didn't i got oh, click click gotta write that down um 
Okay, so now Epps and Ferryman, uh, Ferryman is the one who found Epps, uh, are now looking to find central laundry, and there's a woman joke in there somewhere. Um, and they open What's up. What's a joke? Uh, <laughs> what is a joke? Let's find it. Where is it? Let's find the joke. <laughs> I feel, I feel like it's. I feel like it's better that I just put it out there, and Dan's clearly bothered by it. So no, I just want to know what the joke is. Jarvis, find it. I'll find it. I'll find it. I'll keep going, and I'll, we'll circle back. We'll circle back. I don't see it over here. Uh, we'll, Mike, hit, we'll, we'll hit Wait. hard to starboard, and we'll, we'll they, figure it out. I don't want any more facts. Um, have they? Have they? Um, <laughs> said how many days it'll take yet? I don't want to jump ahead. Sorry, no. Uh, it, they have. It, it should take about three days. Okay, so immediately as soon as they say it'll take three days, they're like, "Oh, I can't fix this." And Murph is like, "Stop being a bitch and fix it." And he's like. Okay, I'll fix it. So apparently, just bullying is just the the method to get someone. No, to I, I noticed that too. See, but but uh, Captain, I don't have the tools or the ability or anything. Figure it out. Oh, okay, I'll do it. Uh, I have a roll of duct tape you can use. I mean, if I've learned anything. It's if you yell at somebody loud enough and long enough, they'll do what you want. Hmm. Like your mm-hmm. laundry. Mm-hmm. And then the the other thing was. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mike found it. <laughs> Mike found it, yeah. Um, and the other thing was, so he's like, stop being a bitch and go fix it. And then everyone else is like, we have three days to do this. Yeah, let's go take a nap and then we'll do it in the morning. <laughs> like, they're like, we have to do it now. Yeah, after it's, a nap, It's though. pretty much, yeah, it's, uh, but I'm tired. <laughs> so after they fought, uh, after Epson Ferryman go to Central Laundry, they open a door and a flood of bodies uh, flood of, uh, of water and bodies comes out. Um, and this is likely the crew that was here before because um, the bodies have not aged. They are not, uh, they're clearly haven't been deceased for that long. Um, yeah, she says they are probably about a couple weeks old. And I think it's at yeah. this point that they kind of, they ran away and they're, this is where it gets funky to me. They're, they're, they're just kind of running around the ship at this point, but this is where they come across the cargo hold uh, where we Correct. see the Jag- the Jaguar X-150, which was, that's pretty sweet. It was a nice touch. Yeah. And this is where they find after like a, a stupid prank um, by Dodge and Munder, this is where they find approximately 200 to $300 million worth of gold. Um and at this point, they realize they're rich, and the whole crew comes up, and they start kind of discussing their plans from here. And it's at this point that we realize that we're just watching Man of Medan, the movie. Yes. Because yeah, I had seen this movie probably around the time it came out. And what I remember from this movie was basically haunted ship, a lot of ghosts, haunted gold, lady in a red dress. And that's like basically, and I was like, but there's gotta be more than this movie. I haven't seen this movie in almost 20 years. There's gotta be more of this. No, there's not more to this movie. No. (laughs) No, That's a pretty good summarization. You probably should have done the summary on this one, Mike. (laughs) It would have been a lot quicker. Um, But anyway, our crew has kind of a newfound uh, motivation to get the fuck up back to shore. Um, so wait, Santos wait, wait. is Go ahead. real quick because at that at that time when 
sorry, I just saw my note for it or as you started. Sorry to interrupt. Um, right when they find the gold, so they, they crack open the thing, right? They break the lock off of it and they open it up and they're like, oh, gold, crazy. And then they bring people back to see the gold and it's locked again. So they have to break it open again. <laughs> and then well, there's like a dozen chests. Now, okay. Yeah. So, right, right. So there's like a dozen chests there. Right. So uh, T- Tiff and I are watching it together and she's like, oh, there's like a dozen chests over there. So I paused it and I looked at them. They were all bolted shut. And I'm like, hold the fuck up. Who the fuck is bolting shut every single case after they open it? And where are they getting these bolts? It's called the reveal. You have to build tension. You can't just walk somebody into a room and show them a chest full of gold. You have to <laughs> open the chest in front of them and make it exciting. Like That's like if you got a Christmas gift, would you want it wrapped? Point in <laughs> National treasure wouldn't have been national treasure without crowbars, I think is what you're getting at, Mike. Oh, exactly. You can't like have gold without a crowbar. They're the two things that go together the most. They're like, let's reveal the gold three separate times. The audience will never see it coming. <laughs> They'll be amazed every time. Anything can be in this box, even more gold. Turns out. There was. It's more gold. Yeah. It was more gold. And it's unmarked, um, which yeah, I guess is kind of – it is significant. Um, but anyway. Did anybody else notice how they were just like tossing the gold around? Like, I've never held a gold bar, but I wouldn't expect a gold bar to be that light. No, gold bars are heavy as shit, dude. Like, like 30-something pounds? Something like that. 30, 50 pounds. I don't know. I'm not a goldologist, but yeah. They, <laughs> A goldologist, it, it, eh? Yeah, goldologist. These were like hollow pieces of paper. They were like, oh, look at it. I could almost throw this in the air and it'll float away. Uh, no, it was, yeah. Wait, can we have gold facts now? I want to subscribe to gold facts. Well, here hey, we you. go. Gather around. Hey, you. Hey, you. What's your gold fact? <laughs> hey, you. Hey, um, that was a good one. My gold fact is if the five of us found 12 cases of gold bars, I would shoot you all in the head oh, one after if the we, other. If we were on a ship and we found that much gold, I would be the only one walking off that ship. Yes, I know it's yeah. a, shock, a shocking statement by me, but I would be the only one walking now, off that Mike, ship. Now, Mike, if we were all on a ship together, I think we would murder you immediately. And then we would be <laughs> between the four of us. <laughs> we, we wouldn't. The second, we would have killed you before we found gold. We would have just killed you at the moment it was just all of us trapped on a ship. And we all know why. Because the second Mike got fucking stepped foot on that ship he'd be like you know i i, I feel the claustrophobia um immediately <laughs> it's the feeling of claustrophobia which is a i have not said boats. i have not said the c word not the jennifer's body c word i have not said the other c word in many many weeks what about the jennifer's body word I haven't said that in a while either. So oh, well, I, I, think you said it, for, I think you said it enough for like five years, honestly. Oh, I did. I had to hit the quota. <laughs> well, say it now. I mean, now it's just awkward. No, no, no. No, if you're listening at home or in your car, you have to go back and listen to Jennifer's body now. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> What's Boom. the C word? It might be catastrophic. It could be a cat. Who knows? It's probably cunt. But anyway, go be. listen to Jennifer's yeah, body. So newly motivated crew uh, are now working round the clock trying to get this uh, trying to get the ship back. Or actually, I, I think they've ditched the entire ship idea altogether. They're just going to load this fucking gold up onto their boat, the Arctic Warrior, and get the fuck out of here. Um, which I think is the right move because it's a lot less work 
and they're going to be instant millionaires. So Santos, who has been working tirelessly after being told designers make it work by Murph. um, I like that. Did you like that? That's a great show. Yeah, that was a good reference. That was a good reference. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And he got, to his credit, he got the engine working. Um, And they go to fire up the engine with Greer at the helm. And they essentially, he goes to turn the key. And that's when Santos notices that uh, a few seconds ago, a uh, supernatural turning of a, of a hinge on one of the gas canisters uh, has released gas all up onto the boat. And as they turn the uh, boat on, the entire boat explodes, killing Santos uh, and sending everyone into the water who wasn't already on the uh, Antonio Grassa. Was- this was another Final Destination vibe to me because like, you saw the, the valve on the gas can just turning with nobody physically turning it and then the explosion killed Santos. So yeah, was, like I said before, it was second time in this movie. It felt like Final Destination. I was a little confused at this part because, like, um, in all seriousness, like we noted the the main ship, the ghost ship, is haunted. But like, now are we to expect like the, I thought that they were trapped on the ship. So now they can leave the ship when they want to and go to another ship to go mess with that ship. Like I don't. Are we to expect that there's a second ghost ship? Is the tugboat haunted now? I Is this tugboat haunted? I just don't understand the, haunted? the ocean. It's just confusing. I, I didn't really understand what, how that happened. I, I don't know. And it's like, man, that would be a really great thing to be able to do that they can just go wherever they want. Can they do that any other time in the movie? No, just this one time. Oh, okay. Well, I don't think no, it was yeah, that's how the plot happens. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. Right. <laughs> well, they because weren't that's the way the movie can work. The uh, the engine in order to pull the the boat back, the Antonio Grassa back, was not functioning correctly, but that they weren't stranded. They could have gotten out of there just without the boat. They were not willing to leave the boat until they found the gold. Once they found the gold, they said, fuck this boat, and they were getting the fuck up out of there. Uh, going back to your Final Destination thing, uh, it, Final Destination came out in 2000, so it did. maybe. I, I did not know that Final Destination came out before, um, so you win on that respect. There, I think... The more I think about it and the more I like see the visuals, I think Mike and Dan, uh, you guys are you guys are actually actually absolutely right. Like it's almost scene for scene. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're just waiting for like a giant log to fly through somebody's windshield or something like that was the next thing. But I guess that's not really possible. Well, we should do Final Destination. Those are pretty good movies. They are. Yeah. Netflix. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. what? No, I, I would have said the same thing about Ghost Ship before I watched it again. So it is a great movie. You guys aren't gonna. You guys aren't gonna steer me away from it. I like this movie, and I'm going to continue. Don't uh, worry, Jarvis. I actually did enjoy this movie, so I won't be steering you in the wrong direction. Oh, hard um, to port. Oh, hard to port indeed. <laughs> uh, by the way, when this explosion happens, concussion number two. Great yeah. point. And she, she would not have survived. I would say two and three. <laughs> I, I kept I kept running down to concussions and I kept thinking of not another teen movie when he's like Billy Ray you only have three more concussions 
two more concussions until you die. <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines ever. I tell my guys all the time, coach says it's okay to bleed from the ears. <laughs> Is that this week's spoopy meter concussions? Oh, I feel like we're getting into spoilers. We'll, we'll, have, we'll to have to see. Oh, in unison. We'll have to see. Oh, S E A, right? See? Because the ocean? Shit. Right? We you, don't, you don't have to spell it out every time. <laughs> you crazy sons of bitches, you did it. <laughs> so, Please continue. So a Please take me out of this hell, this purgatory. <laughs> Well, if you are stuck in purgatory, I know a man who can ferry. God damn it. Oh, Christ. Okay. 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 Going back. Uh, There are actually a couple couple of interesting things that kind of happen simultaneously with this explosion, though. Uh, Number one. Katie's ghost, who's on the bow of the ship, uh, sees everything that's happening, knows what's about to happen, and tries to warn Epps to get away. Um, but she is tackled out um, out of sight by another ghost, who's just like, get the fuck down here. Don't you be talking to those people. And, uh, and that's when the explosion happens. Um, so Epps actually jumps into the water most heroically and starts to try to save people. She actually saves Greer and Ferryman saves one of the other ones. I don't know. People are saved. Uh, and now they kind of they regroup on the uh, Antonio Grassa, the ghost ship. And now the plan is to fix the boat itself and steer it to shore. Um, and obviously there's some contention between the crew at this point because one of them is dead, their ship is gone, um, and we're starting to see kind of the unraveling of the crew, who up to this point had a pretty good, pretty good rapport, pretty good cohesion, I thought. It was actually pretty believable. Yeah, I, yeah. Thought, I thought it was funny because, uh, what's his face, Carl Urban and the other guy, the other two guys, like, uh, but somebody's dead, and for everyone was like, but gold, and they were like, but our friend died. But gold. It's a compelling argument. I'm kind of a ferryman at that point. Like, but gold, man. So the next couple scenes, we we sort of see like the group sort kind of divide. And this is where we're really getting our first hints of the paranormal aspects of the ship uh, to each individual. So Greer uh, goes to the auditorium. He's drinking. He's depressed. He's concussed. He has a large gash on his face. Um, he's drinking at the piano. Dodge and Munder, who are two kind of like the Tweedledee and Tweedledum, um, they go to the mess hall because they're hungry and they assume that the food is still good because it's been canned since 1962. No. And I don't yeah. know how cans work. <laughs> I mean, they canned the hell out of everything back then, right? Mm-hmm. I think canned bread was still a thing. Yeah, there's canned get- bread. <laughs> you, you do get botulism, I believe, from cans. Uh, so try not to do that. <laughs> There's an exp- expiration date on cans for a reason. Uh, generally, I'm like, whatever, just eat food that says that it's like partially, it's like a best buy date. Cans are a hard no. Cans are, please don't do that. <laughs> I w- that would have been way scarier if that would have been 
the scare that we get out of that meeting from the campaign. It's like they come to the realization that they're going to die in like 50 years from cancer because. <laughs> no, no. Botulism just makes you like uh, shit out your face. Oh, so, oh that would have uh, been way cooler. Oh my gosh, shitting yeah, out their face. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's fatal and requires amazing. emergency care. It, it's a poisoning. So yeah, they, they could have legitimately started eating and gotten poisoned by the good food, but yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that like the whole canning thing was so serious that you can't eat slightly expired cans. Yeah. Uh, well, these I weren't would... slightly expired cans. No, these were very expired. But yeah, even even the couple you you get like 10 years out of a can. Just it's, just eat it if you're going to eat it. But uh, yeah, uh, this is this is a PSA. All right. I, I want more can, bad can. I want more canned food facts. This you're really fun. fucking things up for a lot of doomsday preppers right now, Kyle, because I didn't know any of this. <laughs> and I yeah. know how to read. And just... <laughs> Judging by some of the TV I see with Doomsday Preppers, they're relying pretty heavy on 50 years worth of cans. Symptoms include difficulty swallowing or speaking, facial weakness, and paralysis. Mm. Mm. I have a new fear. (laughs) I have a new fear. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to eat some beans tomorrow and be fucking paralyzed the next day. (laughs) Ben, how long have you been keeping those beans in your house? I I think it's on you at that point. I can't answer. I'm paralyzed. <laughs> Warning may result in loss of penis and scalp. What did it say about my scalp? <laughs> That's a Simpsons joke. You got to take that line out. We're going to get sued <laughs> with all four of our listeners. Yeah, you want to get think- sued? <laughs> Um, Max, uh, what is his name? Matt Groening. He's gonna come over here and punch us in the face, straight in the face. I would pay Matt Groening to come punch me in the face. I absolutely would, hundred percent. And Epps is now in search of Katie. Uh, she's, you know, she's run into her enough times that she is now like actively trying to find her. Um, and she's kind of being led toward her. Like, you know, this is really where we get the first sense of like something's fucky. But Epps kind of goes with it like she's walking down a hallway and all the doors shut one right after the other, most paranormally. Um, but one door is left ajar specifically for her. She walks in. Uh, she's Wait, fiddling around. The, the door was ajar? I thought it was a door. No. Please leave. <laughs> Dan has left the chat. That's the best I got. Okay. Um. <laughs> I, I should have just let that hang in silence. I, I, I just... I, I would have been okay with it. I, I just couldn't help it. Speaking of hanging in silence... <laughs> oh, oh, wow. That was a good one. Great transition. Epps opens the closet door to find Katie's body hanging from a noose inside the closet. And but was it gamey? Oh, my God. I hate that joke. <laughs> Epps actually uses this opportunity to uh, speak to Katie. Uh, Katie kind of like approaches her and she's like, you know, uh, my mother made this dress. We, you know, we, we get kind of that, uh, that cool ghostly, you know, character development from Katie. She was traveling alone. She was meeting her parents in New York. Um, and Epps actually takes a locket from, uh, Katie's body and tries to hand it back to Katie and it goes right through her hand. Yep. She's a fucking ghost. It's real. It's all real. Um, but we get really good character development there. And again, all of these scenes are happening simultaneously. So between Greer in the auditorium, Dodge and Munder eating in the mess hall, Epps 
talking to Katie and Murph, who's found the captain's quarters. Um, they're all happening simultaneously now with Murph, Captain Murphy in the captain's quarters. <clears throat> he actually starts drinking with the former captain of the ship and they kind of start shooting the shit as I assume only sea captains can do. And the sea captain passes him a, uh, his, his ship's log and Murphy starts flipping through the pages and he takes a look at something that isn't seen in the camera and he goes, oh, my God, and he runs out. I, I, the thing I got from that scene was uh, the captain was telling him that there was another – because there was another ship that was known by Murph that disappeared right around the time of this ship. And the captain told him, well, we came across that ship. We rescued whoever we could. There was one survivor. We took him on board. So that's what they were talking about. Right, absolutely. The, the the sinking ship was called the Lorelei, and that is where all the gold came from. Uh, it was unmarked. It was all in those boxes. Um, and that was two days before the ship, uh, the Antonio Grassa, went missing. Uh, Greer, uh, who was in the auditorium, at this point, one of the concurrent scenes that we're seeing is that Greer um, – is like walking and it, it's kind of like one of those Titanic scenes where like the disheveled ship all starts coming back to life and everyone is like around him in the auditorium and they're clapping at him. And Francesca, who is the hot lady in the red dress, uh, comes down and starts dancing with him. And like a true G, uh, he says, it's not cheating on your fiance if she's dead, right? And we were. I, I, yeah. I have a general rule that if it's not cheating, if the other person's dead, then you need to really examine yourself. <laughs> I, I love, I love Francesca's response too. She just goes, "I guess." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck it. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. This this Do was you. one of my this was one of my favorite lines in the whole movie where he acts like like a t- like me in two thousand two and has the line, "Nice titties." <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Francesca, nice titties. So fast forwarding a little bit now, uh, he's following Francesca, who is like actively undressing. And now we are at an hour and two minutes where we see Francesca's boobies. Um, and I know we just said, like, we're doing this because we're not perverts, but like, it was nice. Like it was, they were good. They were good. <laughs> it, re- it really brought me back to the movie. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it brought me back to 2002 as a 12 year old being like, those are boobs on the television. And this is nice. Good. <laughs> this is good. Life is good. I'm going to pop in another Elio's pizza and really enjoy this shit. <laughs> Concurrently, Epps is speaking to Katie in the room. And this is where, you know, we're kind of past her character development. And now she's explaining why she's on the ship and she hasn't moved on. And Katie goes on to explain that her and the other passengers are trapped um, and that some are marked. She doesn't give a real clear indication of what that means, but she says that when he has met his quota and the boat is full, they'll be ferried away. And it's kind of like, it's clear that they're going to be ferried away to hell, but like they don't directly say it. Uh, Now we go back to Murph who's run out of the captain's quarters And Murph, as he's running, uh, he gets to, like, the pool area, I believe it was. And this is where he encounters Santos's ghost, uh, who is not happy. And actually, I was going to ask you guys, do you think – so Santos kind of approaches him and he's like, hey, Murph, you know, look what you did. I'm being on the bottom of the ocean 
kind of fucking sucks and this is all your fault. I was kind of wondering, do you think that was really Santos or do you think this is the manipulation of the ship? Uh, I think think it's I think it's the manipulation of the ship. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I don't know, because the ferry the ferryman guy said that he can't. He's unable to. Uh, this is later on. I guess we learn the the powers that the ferryman has, but he says that he can't mark somebody who hasn't committed a sin. So did did Santos commit a sin? I'm sure everybody had. I think it was just more of a comment on that the girl, the only like the child, the girl. I forget her name. Whatever it was, Katie. She was on the ship, Katie. So she was a child. So child has no sin. But everybody else on this boat that died has sin. Now they're ghosts he could control because Katie was the only one he could not control. I right. guess, but at the same time, he he says to the, uh, I can't remember who it was, um, uh, the guy with the shotgun later on, he just says something like, what are you going to do, kill me? Because if you do, you you sin, you go to hell. Like He makes a point of it. So I feel like it's something that the ferryman has to see, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think that was, I think that was manipulation. But I'm, I'm reading into this very deeply. I, you are. I think it has to be manipulation on part of the guy, right? Because he didn't die on the ship. So, right? Like, he, he didn't he die died. on the ship. Yeah, but, I mean. He was ship adjacent. Like, he was all ship right, adjacent. So, can we be exactly ship adjacent? It. Like, how far? He died okay, how on far is a the, ship. Mm. We, we need I mean, to he know. Could, I think he can clearly be ship adjacent because, you know, the propane tanks started kind of turning on their own on their exactly. Ship. I think we're just making rules up as we go in this movie. I, like, <laughs> I, I think this movie was making rules up. Yeah, that's what I mean. Not us. Like the movie's definitely making rules up. What is the radius to be affected by a ghost ship? <laughs> like, what, what is know. the proximity <laughs> level that I need to veer away from if I see a floating vessel that just looks fucky? Some ghost ship nerd knows this. Someone out there likes this movie a lot, and they figured it out. So, and if you uh, do if you know, know that, it, let us know. Please let us know. Instagram, we're very stuff. confused. <laughs> if if you are a ghost ship nerd, and this is what you dedicate yourself to, where you know every detail about this movie, don't email us. Fuck you, Mike. <laughs> I, I want to know. Actually, now make sure you email it straight to Mike, and we'll read it on the next podcast. Yeah, <laughs> fuck Mike. Yeah, hit us up. I want to know. Because this this boat at this point has it coming, right? Because not only is it using uh, Murph's vision of Santos to, uh, you know, affect his judgment. Now, um, the boat is using, it's projecting Santos's image onto Epps. Epps, who is like a daughter to him. It's a very special relationship the two have. Um, but when he looks at her, and Epps has actively been looking uh, for Murphy and vice versa. But now when he looks at Epps, all he sees is Santos. <clears throat> and as such, he tries to kill her. All right, it's a big fight ensues. Uh, I think there's a, a spear gun, if I'm not mistaken, that he tries to stab her in the head with. Heck yeah. It's pretty dope. Uh, I was just like, man, that's a dick move, ship. Like, come on. It's like it's like the guy's daughter almost. But uh, they uh, dodge and munder, manage to knock him the fuck out <laughs> with a tank of some sort and they throw him in basically a giant aquarium this is when uh simultaneously greer uh who is chasing down some ghost booty uh is trying to grab onto some buttons and boobs and he falls down an elevator shaft and is impaled on the wires below 
that really ruins your erection right there. <laughs> I, it's, I would was, agree. He was penetrated. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, yep. I, I was going to make a penetration joke to, yep, thank you. That's it. <laughs> yep. There it is. It's not too something, late. Something, something, shaft. <laughs> there it is. We got there it. There it is. We got there. That was good. That was a lot better than I thought. Now, the, the crew's kind of getting it in gear. I think all of this happens, like, overnight. Like, everything that, like, has just kind of unfolded only happens within, like, a mere couple of hours. Uh uh, but now the crew kind of mobilized on their plan. They set the pumps. Um, they start to kind of fix the ship. They start to repair the damage in the hull. Um, and that is when Epp says she's going to go find Greer. She looks for Greer. She finds Katie in the hallway. And Katie kind of like gen- kind of gives her a general direction. And she turns to find Greer, who has been impaled. Um she uses this opportunity, Katie uses this opportunity to kind of show Epps the background. Um, and since she is an innocent and she is not marked, she is apparently able to do this. So uh, the general story of what happened to the ship is that the, a, a, lot, of, a lot of the, uh, the actual crew of the ship was killed uh, to include the cook staff um, and replaced with these criminal thugs of some sort. They put rat poison in the soup. Um, The imposter crew kind of goes all throughout the ship. Um, That's when we see the wire slicing through, bifurcating all the dancers on the dance floor. Uh, That's when we get the poolside massacre where they lined everyone up and shot everyone in the pool. And now we're starting to see some mutinies uh, within the imposter crew itself. So, you know, they shoot the people in the pool and then a couple of the guys get stabbed it's it's clear that there's like levels that were already kind of predetermined. Oh, they all turn on each other during this. It was like the uh, opening scene of uh, Dark Knight. Exactly. Where say one kills the other ones. They go, oh, boss told me to kill you. And boss told me to kill you. Boss told me. It's like everybody's going to be killed off until there's only one person left. And in this instance, that one person is Francesca, who is in on it. And she approaches a dark figure who appears from the hallway after all the other guys are dead and they start to kiss. And then she backs off or he backs off from her and kind of, you know, that same paranormal uh, kind of self movement. We've come to know Uh, that whoever she's kissing basically makes a hook unhinge from this is the area where the. the Jaguar X-150 and the gold is um, it unhinges and she gets like fish hooked right in the face from like a car jack hook, which is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And she's swinging and there's blood. And that was great. That was good gore. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, yeah, it was good. Yeah, this whole flashback scene, I really liked a lot. I mean, there was one of the redeeming qualities of this movie. Visual, they had some very good like killing and death effects. Like the whole, like I said, the whole flashback scene where they, took you through the whole ship when everything was going on and everybody was getting killed off for this gold that was on the ship was cool. It had a very yeah, Ocean's it, 11 kind of vibe to it, right? Like the heist going yeah, down. You know what? Yeah, I could see that too. Like Ocean 666. Yeah, I can see it. It's good. Do you like that? It's good. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I'd give it a six. <laughs> And this is obviously where we get the big reveal. Dun, 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 dun. We've been discussing it pretty much this whole fucking time. Ferryman 
was on the boat in 1962. So, and he doesn't look a day older, a day younger than he did. Um, and now we're starting to understand the supernatural aspect. Um, and as she hangs there with the hook in her face, he grabs her hand and you hear the burning, singeing sound of like skin, uh, and, uh, or I'm sorry, of skin searing. And there's like a Maui fish hook symbol. It literally looks like the hook that's impaled her face is like now mm-hmm, embedded mm-hmm. into her arm. But once F sees this, she is, you know, obviously like, holy fucking shit. She races to find Murph and she comes across Murph, who is now floating dead in the aquarium, which was filled up. And in his hand floating down as he releases it is a picture of Ferryman from 1962 that he found in the captain's log. Why didn't he just say it when they were getting ready to lock it? It's not like he was like passed out, right? Like he was just kind of like out of it a little bit. I'm pretty sure he was still knocked the fuck out. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah, he was. Okay. As this is happening, uh, one of the gears, or I'm sorry, one of the, uh, the pumps that they've rigged up, uh, starts failing. It's no longer pumping water. Murph goes down there. Or I'm sorry, Munder, who is played by Carl Urban, goes down there to try to fix it after he loses tic tac or er, uh, rock paper scissors to dodge. Goes down there and the uh, gears start turning, and he is sucked into the gears and he is fucking dead. That one fucked me up, man. I remember as a kid that one freaked me the fuck out. Yeah, that was that was a pretty gnarly murder. I like that one a lot. Yeah, I like how subtle uh, it was too. It was it was cool. I was just sitting there like, Carl Urban, no. There, there wasn't like a great deal of sound effects or anything. Like they didn't have like, you know, the the close up face approach the whole way. It was just kind of like you're watching him get sucked in, you know, from yeah. from the and toes. It was, like, it was subdued sound because it was underwater and everything. So, yeah, I, I thought that was a really good. Uh, it was a really good scene. Yeah. 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 They did a great job with that one. Like they much much of this movie is over over edited overproduced and everything and this one they kept it subtle and that made it creepier by doing that so yeah yeah for sure well it just so happens that Epps who is looking for everyone at this point uh, she sees the blood in the pumps and then she sees Munder's uh, face <laughs> which is disconnected yeah, that, from all the rest of him that, that got me like, I thought that was another good effect or just his like face sitting on the bottom of, like the floor in a pile of, like, <laughs> like there's a hand off to the side in a pile of the face. rest of him <laughs> yeah exactly yeah no i i thought that whole thing they had like they had the every opportunity to do kind of like a jaws like you know like not a subdued kind of reaction like you know full audio and, and they didn't i, I like the whole thing but uh epps now seeing that what happened to munder she goes up into the uh Ah, oh, fuck. Where's, where do they, st- where's the steering? Ah, uh, the poop deck. Yeah, the poop deck. <laughs> she goes up. Uh, she goes up to see Dodge and she's like, hey, something, something's real fucked up. People are dead. And before she can tell him about Ferryman, Ferryman walks in and she chooses not to say anything. She says, the two of you need to stick together. And she hands Dodge a shotgun and it was basically was like, hey, don't let him out of your sight. Um, she was very adamant about it and it was like she was saying it without saying it she's like 
don't let yourselves out of each other's sight. And he was like, okay. But she's like, just don't look, don't not be looking at each other. So she was saying like, watch out for this guy without saying it. Yeah, it was good. It was good. And this is kind of when we see uh, Ferryman, who to this point has been kind of like this unassuming figure, you know, who's just kind of along for the ride and sweet. There's gold and, you know, he's just he just kind of happens to be there. But now we know not so much. And he lets his guard his his he doesn't let his guard down his he basically, you know, shows his true colors at this point. And he calls Dodge. I, I think he basically calls him a pussy and says, like, you know, yeah we know that you're in love with Epps and blah, blah, blah. And he's trying to manipulate him. And Dodge is like, mm, mm, fuck you. And he shoots him point blank to the chest with a shotgun. Well, all he had to do was take off his coat, which I thought that, that was really dumb. Where this whole movie has been this like really meek and like reserved and like gentle person who's kind of like, jumpy and squirrely and then like he takes off the coat on the bridge with dodge and now he's just like this aggressive like matter of fact saying uh, you people make me sick and you've loved this woman from a distance you never said anything and just the whole change just by taking off the coat was really dumb i have removed my coat i'm a badass that, now that wasn't even my final form <laughs> I was confused at the whole. All right, first off, let's get this off of our chest. Jack is a straight up MRA person. He's like these women just ruin everything. That like he's a total weeb or whatever the term is. Uh, secondly, mm. when the fuck do we learn that this? Who's the? Who's this guy? What's his name? Uh, uh, Dodge. Dodge. Yeah, sure. Wh- whatever his name is. Um, when did we learn that he loves her? Where was that character development? What was that? Uh, the, well, right now. There wasn't. Yeah, oh, right, right now. now. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. It Thanks. was implied. <laughs> subtle looks. Very it, it, so, very subtle. So subtle. <laughs> so subtle. But you Dan, this, missed it. <laughs> Dan, this is how the plot keeps going. Oh, 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 right. Sorry. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I mean, the plot kept going because there were some sweet-ass titties, you know, somewhere in the middle there. And, and, <laughs> and now we're at Dodge Loves Epps, so. But if you guys do want to move sense. on. I do. Uh, Epps is at the point of fuck this shit where she decides uh, all the C4 they were using to kind of help them uh, with the necessary demolition to fix the boat. She is now going to use to rig the boat to destroy it and send it to the bottom of the ocean where it can't do this to anyone else. And that's when Dodge shows up and starts to try to convince her not to blow the ship. Dodge, the last time we saw him, had just shot a ferryman at point-blank rage with a shotgun, uh, and there was a large gash to his chest, you know, just basically a giant hole in his chest, and ferryman was able to move his eyes signifying that he hadn't died. But anyway, Dodd shows up and is like, hey, don't blow the ship. Um, and we get some kind of like sort of ham-handed, like we could we could take the gold and we could start a new life. And, and she's not having it. And then she says, why haven't you asked where Munder is? And we get this not so terrible transition, this visual transition from Dodge to Ferryman. Yeah, it was pretty good. It wasn't quite like early werewolf bad. It wasn't quite like, you know, Avengers Hulk good, 
but it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. I, I was actually surprised. And I guess we'll get to the special effects a little bit later. But I was actually surprised. Like it, some of the special effects held up pretty well over twenty years, which we can't say for every film. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so now her and Ferryman uh, start to have kind of this dialogue. Ferryman sort starts to kind of give away his position a little bit. He says that he's a salvager too. Uh, it's a job that he acquired after a lifetime of sin. And if he doesn't fill his quota with the amount of souls he needs, management will not be very happy, which I actually thought was a nice, playful kind of allusion to like, you know, he's he's an agent of hell. Yeah, it, it was. I wanted to know more about the uh, bureaucracy of hell yeah, at this point. I, I liked I I gen. All right. Starting off, I liked that aspect. I thought that was really cool. Like you said, Jarvis. Um, however, he was like. I lump all the souls together for management. And I was like, why does he lump? Why does he give a lump sum of souls that he could lose rather than just giving souls periodically? <laughs> like, it just seemed like a weird method. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Shouldn't you just be handing them over as you got? Like, you have like hundreds of souls on this ship. Why didn't you just give them and then? Like fill the rest of your quota. Like doesn't I, it's because of shipping rates. You know, if you go oh, over, sorry. you know, X amount of souls and it costs less for the shipping rates. And no, yeah, the, no, yeah I heard it the first time. No, no, no. Uh-huh. I don't get it. Can you say it again? <laughs> well, <laughs> see here. <laughs> well, the, the only argument I have for, for your argument, Dan, is like you're a teacher. Every time you're in the middle of a lesson, there's not like this little you know, like the automatic change things that they have at like supermarkets, Chris, can you vouch for me? You know, like the, the change givers from the do it yourself lane, like as you're giving the lesson, there aren't like pennies flowing in a tray from like the ceiling, you know, you what? get, you get, what? I have no idea what you're talking no about. I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying you're, you're talking about like lumping souls together for a large deposit. Why not just lump them one at a time? Like you don't take money. You don't take pennies to the bank one at a time as you receive them. I, I got you. Okay. It, right, was a con- it was a convoluted I fucking analogy. I didn't know where, didn't know where the yeah, teacher part enough. came in. That was the confusing part. I was like, wait, when do pennies fall from the sky? When so it, it made <laughs> a lot more sense in my head. I had a, <laughs> so you are, you, I had a very specific teacher, right? visual. <laughs> so you are a teacher, right? Then the pennies fall from the sky. <laughs> Once you're at the bank with the pennies, you teach the pennies to have... <laughs> Quick sorry, story kids, time. The, sorry, kids, the pennies are coming from the sky. I got to go to the bank now. <laughs> Japanese alcohols are way more effective than American alcohols. That's okay. that's the last story time for the day. Anyway, Although, but, as, as an accountant, I, I do know this is where pennies come from. Uh huh. The sky. Yeah. It makes sense. It does. It makes a, at least a few sense. Let's finish this for the love of oh, God. Oh, boy. <laughs> So a fight ensues uh, between Epps and Ferryman. Uh, Epps uses a spear gun, uh, stabs him in the leg. Uh, She uses the spear gun to blow the C4 that she's rigged. Uh, The huge explosion. It somehow doesn't kill her, even though it almost like severs the ship in half. Oh, concussion Um, three. Is that concussion three? Yeah, she gets smacked in the head by something. I don't know what it was, but something hit her in the head. It was a rusty ass pipe. Oh yeah, yeah. it was a rusty ass pipe. Slash explosion. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was concussion number three. Explosion was concussion number four, but uh, the pipe also added tetanus to this too. So, oh, that's good. <laughs> bip, bip. 
But she didn't eat from any of the cans. So she gets points for not eating from the cans. No, yeah, no, no botulism. But yeah, no, no botulism. Um, so Epps makes it out somehow after her 15th fucking concussion and the fact that she just survived in an enormous blast. And she's seen swimming to the surface and around her are all the souls of all the passengers who have been trapped on the ship by ferrymen. And actually like a, a not so bad graphic of like the ship kind of upturned, uh, sort of that classic Titanic, like it's sinking, the the rear of the ship is is now going down and like swirling around it are like these colorful souls. And we see kind of an Aurora Borealis effect in the sky. And uh, Epps manages to uh, get on some of the wreckage. I think it's like a trunk or something. And she's floating in the ocean and a cruise line picks her up. They get to shore. She's loading an ambulance, loaded into an ambulance, and we get the classic uh, "oh no" ending, where we see guys start to load up some very familiar-looking crates, and we see ferryman entering the boat as it's about to depart, and she screams "no," and that's when the ambulance closes, and we hear Mudvayne roll credits. We are released from this mortal coil, finally, from this movie. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Fireman, fireman, take me away. Yeah. Uh, so if we're cool with the plot, thank you, Jarvis. That was great. Then let's go ahead and move over to our uh, cinematography and special effects. Um, I This movie was shot very well. It, I think we're allowed to say it this week. It was claustrophobic. <laughs> and the the special effects like i said they, they held up over 20 years for the most part i don't think i saw one that really pulled me away from it uh, there was a couple that i yeah. noticed like in the very beginning the cgi shot of just the the ship from the 60s it was not very good at all to me at least it was very obviously like mm. kind of shiny and like mm. glossy so i mean that's a little like thing to nitpick but Overall, all the other shots, like you said, all the CGI was pretty good, and it does hold up. Yeah, the the boat CGI was actually really good. I don't, I don't know, like the um, the the cruise liner. I don't know what they used to do that kind of effect, but the they did really good. It was fun. I, I thought it was a really good looking beat up ass ship. That's a uh, nice boat. That's a nice boat. That's a real nice boat. Um, anybody got for uh special effects or anything? Um, I just still think that the whole beginning scene with the cable and everything, mm. that mm-hmm. was fantastic. The effects on that were great. Um, I, I mean, obviously, quite a decent amount of practical effects there. Mm-hmm. And it's my favorite part of the entire movie. I think a couple of them made me kind of giggle because they looked a little too unrealistic. But other than oh, that, the, I agree with the, you. The arm reaching up that was already mm. severed from anything. I'm like, yeah. All right, all right, you've lost me on that one. If the arm's not attached to anything, it's not gonna. It's not gonna be nah. reaching. I remember uh, you mentioned it at the very beginning, Jarvis, but the the woman who's cut in half trying to pull her body together. I was like, I laughed at that, but I was also like, that's very sad. <laughs> I really wasn't sure if if they were trying to be like a little silly. I think that, dude, I think there was just like the slightest hint, you know, like when you're seasoning food, just like the slightest hint of, you know, a little something like, and I, I think in this case, you know, when, when the cable goes through them, like some of the girls are like kind of like in shock and they look a little goofy as they're like, you know, their mouths are open and they're like just shaking. I think there was a little bit of silliness, but it was it still kind of, it was still really shocking what happened. Mm-hmm. 
because there was a little bit of a delay until once everybody got bifurcated until they like reacted to it because they were just still kind of standing around shocked. They don't know what's going on. Then one body starts to fall apart and everybody just starts to topple over. It was yeah, a I slow think, build. I think Mythbusters did this. I think they tried to cut a pig in half or something like that with like a, a wire just to see if this was realistic. I, I almost remember that. that I did. might be making it no, up. No, you're not. But yeah, they did, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good episode. I, I don't think they were able to do it. I think they no, just ended up slapping a pig really hard. <laughs> they just slapped a pig? Yeah. I, I want to say that the, the uh, special effects and the cinematography, I, I think that that was like the one bright point for this movie for me. Like that was the point mm. that I really I enjoyed. If I could just watch those scenes like as clips and not have to watch this movie, it would be fine. Yeah, I, I agree. I think a super cut of this film is is, is worth it. The, the acting wasn't tremendous. The, the everything else was eh. The set design was pretty good, but then... Yeah, it, you could you could probably deal with just giant chunks of this movie disappearing and, and be totally fine. Um, Even though it was only an hour and a half, it felt so much longer. Eh, I don't know. I, I think it was it, it it moved all right for me. I, I was getting ready to go to bed though, so I don't know. Um, if we're cool with those two things, can we move to music and sound real quick? Absolutely. Yep. Great. Uh, so I think. The the sound the sound design and like the the music for this was pretty good the the creepy music at the beginning worked out really well oh, it wasn't creepy sorry it, it was kind of uh, echoey and supposed to be a little haunting um, of the, the for with Francesca singing and then we had uh, I think overall they, they did some nice like creaky boat sounds they did some uh, the music wasn't horribly loud except for when it wanted to be with the mud vein and everything which is which was fine. Um, and I don't know, uh, the, like we said, that that one special effect when they were underwater, some of that was really good. I, I think that the underwater scenes were actually pretty well done. They, I think those were good. I'll say the sound is actually one of the parts that I didn't like. Um, hmm. Is it because of mud vein? No, 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 no. So in in all seriousness, I really didn't mind the mud vein part. It's like they probably got paid to like put that song in there from like a company or something to promote mud vein. Well, whatever. Um, but my, my issue lies that I felt like this movie didn't know what it wanted to do with the music. Like there were times when it was like kind of creepy, eerie music with like the violin classic, like uh, screeching. And then we would go to like kind of like happy, cheery music. And this wasn't just at the beginning of the movie. I praise that part. That part's amazing. I, I love that they are like taking away uh, feelings of like unsafe uh, nature that's going to happen uh, just to rip you back into, okay, no, it's a horror movie. But like, as the movie's going on, we're still getting that. And to me as a viewer, it's very confusing because um, we get a lot of like horror out of um, the senses, like hearing things and like that, that hints us to things that are going to happen. So when they use like these weird songs, like periodically, not Mudvayne, but like these weird um songs that are like kind of uplifting sounding and then we go to like the shack music with the like the the part where they're like showing what happened to all the crew where they got shot where they're like i'm just like 
All right. Yeah, I could take you on that. So I, I don't know. And then like the end when the ship is like going down, we have like a Disney-esque movement. I'm just like, what is going mm. on? Like it's it was just very confusing as a viewer. So I, I didn't really like the sound in this movie at all. I just think the like the the end scene was uh, like you said a Disney esque sound or Disney esque music track. I think it was supposedly for like an uplifting moment that all these souls were finally free and they weren't going to be taken to wherever from the ferryman. And the other scene you mentioned with the whole flashback scene, I just thought that they might have had that kind of song just to add to the whole chaos of everything that was going on. I did like the music they used for the flashback scene where everybody was getting killed over this gold. It was that Ocean 666 uh, yeah. that we were talking about earlier. I think that's what they were going for, but it, I agree with you. It didn't really... It shouldn't have probably been there. I and liked I, it. it. I thought it, no, no, it was good. I, 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 I think it was overall good, but I, I don't know if it was it was meant to be there, but yeah, go ahead. No, well, I, I think just to add on to what Dan was saying, I think a, a lot of the, the music was meant to displace us, you know, displace our sense of security that we knew what was going to happen. And then I, I think a lot of it is just, you know, period-based stylistic choices for the music. You know, Mudvayne obviously was big in the early 2000s. The the back, or I'm sorry, the, the, the main flashback music was, it's a very early 2000s kind of hard, creepy rock sound. Um, you know, this is still around the time that we got like queen of the damned, like creepy rock was still cool. So, you know, I, good point. I, I don't know. I, I was kind of thrown back there. Um, I think the music did that for me. I think it's, I think it was appropriate for the scenes and I think it kind of gave sort of that timeless element to it where it puts me right back there. Yeah. I think that's totally fine. Um, if we are good with that, then let's go ahead and hear about that rating score, Mr. Dan. What you got this week? All right. So I just went pretty simple. You can probably see where I'm going to go with this. So the type of ship that we had uh, was a cruise liner. Um, I was actually looking up a lot of information about tugboats and how much they can pull and stuff like that. But I didn't realize how many tugboats there are. There's like ocean liners. There's river tugboats. There's like uh, dock docking tugboats. Uh, so I was like, ah, scrap that. Let's just go with this cruise liner. So a cruise liner weighs about 200,000 tons. Um, <laughs> that's nothing. I can lift that. Um, uh-huh. So mm-hmm. let's just keep it nice and simple. Zero to 200,000. What would you give this movie? <laughs> <laughs> mm. Oof. That's easy, right? Uh- <laughs> Yeah, I guess. So easy. I guess I'll I'll start out. Um, it, spoopy factor. I, I think spoopiness. I am. Uh, I, I wasn't scared at all. I don't even think any of the jump scares got me. I I, I don't really remember. Um, but I, I would say that spoopiness. It's it's got like a small tugboat's amount of of weight. I want to say it's probably in the the uh, ten thousand pounds out of two hundred thousand. This is such a weird scale. Um. It, I, I'm not giving it a high mark, is what I'm saying for Spoopy. It's a very for wide scale, <laughs> it can be very precise. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you guys didn't see that coming. Oh no! Uh, oh, you know how to spell C, uh, right? Yes, S S E A. 
I like that. Thank just you. like the music, you displaced me from what I thought you were going to do. Like I, I was like, how many concussions is this movie worth? Like that's immediately what I thought you were going to do. All right, so she got. I'm sorry, and I also <laughs> I also like to add that Dan says it with, well, you know, with all my rating shows, you know where I'm going with this, and I'm sitting here like, no, I don't know where you're going with this. I never know when you're going. <laughs> well, sometimes with this. you guess it. Sometimes you guys are like, ah, I saw that coming, and I'm just like, all right, well, this one's pretty obvious. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's definitely going to go with the average weight of a cruise liner ship for uh, <laughs> rating scale this week. So let me be prepared to really crunch my numbers for that. Um, anyway, so my my overall for this film is I I want to give it somewhere in the middle, maybe a little bit higher in the middle. So maybe one hundred and thirty thousand pounds uh, or uh, tons. Sorry, uh, because I I think it was it was a pretty decent movie they they had some call especially we were dealing with ghosts there was some more like they called back some ghost stuff we saw some you know haunting visages and then we saw uh, i think someone mentioned it got really cold at one point there's some like poltergeisty stuff going on so like i i appreciated that um it was like i said it was shot fi- every all the shots were good the special effects were pretty decent and the sound for me was good uh, i agree with jarvis it kind of pulled you back to 2000s and i i I didn't hate watching it. I was a little bored. They could have probably cut something out of there or sped something up or just, uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. And like the, the dialogue was meh, but, uh, overall I, I, I think it was okay. 130,000 tons. <laughs> As you would expect. Um, spoopy wise, uh, Unlike you, a couple of the jump scares got me like the, anything where Katie just kind of popped up just like, Oh, Hi. Like those usually uh made me jump, uh, especially with her just uh hanging around in that closet, uh, maybe jump a little bit. Um, All right, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that one. I think yeah. that one got me. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the case of uh, tons of what I would give the spoopy rating, uh, I'll probably go maybe like fifty thousand tons. Uh, not enough. It wasn't the jumpsters didn't give me enough to really rate it any higher. Um, but as a whole, I'm probably gonna go a little bit past Kyle, probably gonna lean towards like maybe like 135, 140. Um, the intro really just kind of brought me into the movie and it, it was kind of slow paced, dialogue wasn't the best in a lot of moments, but it kept me entertained and it was just a cool little ghost story and i really enjoyed that and uh yeah i'm gonna give it a hundred forty-five thousand tons okay so spoopy wise this movie wasn't scary like it had a couple tense moments but overall wasn't really spoopy at all and i'm more in the same line as kyle i'd probably give it about 20 25,000 tons out of the 200,000 total tons of a cruise liner as for the movie overall uh i didn't hate it but i didn't love it i didn't it wasn't terrible i'd probably give it someone the 70 to 80,000 tons just because like the thing that carried this movie and made me keep wanting to watch it was the effects they used with the flashback scene with everybody on the boat and Katie was being trying to warn Epps about what was going on in the boat. So she was like the view viewer's perspective. So 
70,000 tons overall as a movie. It's not a movie I'd want to watch again, but it's it's an, it's a short movie. It's an hour and a half. So if you want a ghost movie, I guess check it out. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I'm definitely the odd man out here. Um, I, I really enjoyed it, man. I really did. Uh, I remember enjoying it back in the day. That's why I chose it uh, as my pick for this week. Um, I think there are a lot of shining moments. Uh, it's a nice, tight film. It's exactly 90 minutes. Um, there's nothing. There's nothing that will jump out aside from a, a few scenes, you know, the opening scene uh, with, you know, on the dance floor is one of those, I think one of the most memorable scenes of horror in the 21st century. I, I would go top 10, one of the, one of the coolest kill scenes. Um, and if you think I'm, and if you think I'm crazy for that, we, I would love to hear about it on our various social media platforms. But uh, so getting to the rating scheme though, uh, I, I will, I'm probably going to have to go off anywhere from 150 to 160,000 out of 200. I, I just think it was good. It wasn't anything spectacular, uh, but it was, I think, just a very complete story from start to finish. Um, you know, I, yeah, no, I, 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 I just think it, w- it was well done enough that it was worth seeing and I would watch it again. So that's where I'm at. Okay. Um, I, I've kind of talked about my one issue with this. Um, I think, I think the sound could have been a lot better. I feel like that, um, really like messed up my viewing experience. Um, uh, but moving past that, I didn't like the acting. I, 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 there was no development for me. So like, I didn't care about the characters when they died. I was just kind of like, huh, well, bye Murph. I guess he drowned. Um, and uh, building off of that, another issue I had was like we never re- outside of that really cool one for uh, Keith Urban or whatever his name is, um, Carl Urban. <laughs> Keith Urban, <laughs> country singer, the country yeah. singer, Carl Urban. I, I got mauled by my tractor <laughs> in the middle of the ocean. Um, but. Outside of the one with Carl Urban, the intro scene, uh, like I really would have liked to see all those things like him drowning and stuff like that's scary. That That's scary stuff. We all fear of like that. Uh, a lot of people have that fear of drowning. Um, so I, I think that they missed some opportunities there where they really could have like made it a little bit better by doing that. Because at the end of the day, remember, we're watching a horror movie to be scared. So I wasn't really too scared, but I'm not going to argue uh, with Jarvis in terms of that intro scene, that is one of the best intro scenes for a horror movie I've ever seen for sure. Um, I love the scene that they do with the crew members killing people. I love that. Um, I, I just think that the dialogue is weird. Like Chris said, um, yeah, it's really nice going last. Cause I could just say, you guys already said things. It's fun. Um, <laughs> so I, there's things that I liked about it, things I didn't like. I, I think the movie could have been better, but eh, it, it could have been worse too. So I'm going to go right in the middle, give it a, a hundred thousand tons out of 200,000, right, right in the middle. So, um, yeah, I, I think watch it. If, if you like, if you're a tugboat driver, <laughs> and um, if you're not a tugboat <laughs> driver, maybe don't watch this one. 
for all our fans out there who drive tugboats, this is the movie. For <laughs> yeah, you this might movie get is. <laughs> it's only advisable to watch this film if you're a tugboat operator or aficionado. I mean, it might be though that this might be one of the few films where they like show that tugboat drivers are the best. Look, I remember. I mean, I've been arguing for years about representation movies for tugboat captains and this movie finally uh, fulfilled that need. I remember the march of a million tugboat drivers in Washington last year <laughs> when they wanted more representation. So I'm glad that we can remind them that they have ghost ships. Do you guys remember TugCon last year? That was... Whew. You know, it was a lot different than I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah, not what I signed up for. Woof. <laughs> Actually, it was kind of what I signed up for, but you know, it was still a pleasant surprise, really. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Get your tickets now to TugCon 2020. It's 2021. 2020 is uh, yeah. dead at this yeah, point. Sure. We'll uh, be there. We'll be at TugCon this year, actually. Uh, yeah. the, yep. I guess it's a good time to drop that news, huh? We'll be at TugCon this <laughs> year. <laughs> Let's come nope. to our booth. We'll talk to you. We'll have the lotion nearby. Everything's going to be great. Yeah, it, nobody <laughs> tell my wife. Elbows. <laughs> if there's, I, I'm not at TugCon. If it, if my <laughs> wife asks. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wait, does your wife hate tugboats? Is that yes? Okay. She hates tugboats. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand them. <laughs> but the, just uh, model- how are they so strong while being so tiny i don't get it <laughs> all right so i actually just looked up a whole bunch of tugboat facts fuck no we gotta Jesus. end this yeah, we gotta- <laughs> this is hour two no <laughs> yeah, i the motto of this year's tug con who wants to say more than six feet apart anyway all right i'll tell you guys my tugboat facts <laughs> later Okay, thank you. Yes, off the air or uh, hit us up on uh, all of our all of our social media platforms. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. Uh, you can find us on our Gmail. Uh, it, that Dan will give you as many tugboat facts <laughs> as you want. Um, you can look at our episode description for all that information. Uh, I want to thank Connor McLeod for the artwork, and I want to thank Andrew Cavanaugh for our intro and outro music. And with that, Chris, w- what do you have to tell all the tugboat aficionados out there? Thanks for stopping by and having a horrible time. Tell me about the poop deck. Tell me about the poop deck. I need to know about the poop deck. I pooped in the shower once because the toilet stopped working, so I just stomped it down. I waffle stomped. Oh, you you waffle stomped. Oh god! Absolutely waffle stomped the poop. Oh man! Waffle like stomping shower anymore. slugs are a different thing. That's a very different thing. If you, if your buddy comes out of the shower and says, "Watch out for shower slugs," you don't want to be the next person in the shower. I don't like these facts anymore. I don't like them. Does anyone want to know more? Military factoids. Oh, okay. I, I I'd like to unsubscribe from shower facts. <laughs> So our boat facts was a long-running segment that we now must stop forever.